Good morning. I'm glad that you have tuned in to our study today. We are living through some very uncertain times, but in spite of, of all these challenges, God has not and does not change. He is still our rock. He is still our refuge. And it is to him we turn and we rely on, looking to his word to direct our steps and to enlighten our path. I'd like to begin this morning with a question, and that is, what does your life consist of? I would suggest to you that one answer to this question is that life consists of where you've been, where you are, and where you are going. Motion, always moving, but not necessarily in the direction that you desire, nor may it be the right direction. Now, we may feel from time to time that life is stagnant or that we're not getting anywhere. That really is not true. Life is fluid. It keeps on flowing. It keeps pushing and pressing us onward. The road on which all men are traveling is the road to eternity. We do not know what bumps or potholes that we may encounter along the way. But we're traveling in any way, and it is taking us to eternity. It may be one that is quite difficult. It may be one that leads through a desolate wilderness. But what your eternity will be in the hereafter is the big question. It is the eternal question. Each step we take, each turn we make, has consequences. Steps affect other steps, and in the end, it affects where our eternal home will be. And so therefore, the choices we make now, and the life that we are living right now, from here to eternity, really does matter. But it is a journey that each and every one of us will make. Now, for many of us, our desire is to reach the promised rest. It is to reach that heavenly home where God, our Father, lives. But you and I will not get there sitting down. Neither will we get there doing nothing. Instead, every for himself. In truth, we are simply leasing life. We just have a lease on life because in actuality, we are all sojourners here on earth. Take, for example, Abraham, uprooted from home, a man of faith who came to understand the true spiritual value of being a sojourner in this world. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, it reads, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived. He lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Here is a man who lived out the rest of his life as a shepherd from one encampment to another and learned that it was a blessing for him. 
It was a blessing because it was a constant reminder of the real journey that is at stake. The Apostle Peter also urges and reminds and admonishes Christians to remember about this journey. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it reads, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, if you address the Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in, the, in fear during the time of your stay on earth, implying that our duration on earth is not permanent. It is not eternal here. It is a temporary time. Over in the second chapter, the apostle continued to admonish and remind the brethren of the, with these words. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. And so here are the Christians of the first century, just like us you know, in the 21st century, that we are aliens, we are strangers along the way in our path to God. But in one sense, all men are sojourners. All men simply have a temporary duration on earth. So I would suggest to you, don't settle down. If we're not careful, what happens is we grow too accustomed to our earthly dwellings. And it becomes to feel too much like home to us. The patriarchs of the Old Testament, particularly talked about in Hebrews, confessed that they were truly pilgrims in this world. Turning back to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, we read there, beginning in verse 13, All these died in faith, receiving the promises, but having, having not, without receiving those promises, and having seen them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Here is not our city. Here is not our citizenship either. The Apostle Paul, over in the Philippian letter, as he writes to the saints in the city of Philippi, reminds them there in the third chapter of that letter, beginning in verse 20, when he says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform you know, the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Like guests, we can enjoy our stay in the meantime, but we must remember we are guests making a journey to a better country, to a better place. And it is for that reason that we need to make sure that we're focusing on making progress toward God. Life pushes us, and it pushes everyone onward toward eternity. But we do each have a choice in regard to which path 
we take. Now, all paths lead to eternity, but not all paths lead to heaven. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, in the Sermon on the Mount regarding the importance of understanding in our journey to eternity, we can choose one of two directions. One that leads to blessing and the other that leads to condemnation. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it reads, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Man's righteousness, man's traditions, man's doctrines will never suffice in getting us to an eternity in heaven. Paul, for example, expressed very personally his own determination to progress in the right direction, to be assured of his entrance into that heavenly kingdom. Turning back to Philippians chapter 3, we again read from this letter as he writes there in the third chapter, verse 12 and following. And he says, not that I have already obtained it or have already been become perfect, but I press I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do so that I may lay hold of that which, you know, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to that which lies ahead, I press. I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul understood that he was on a journey. And this journey is leading him to an eternity. And he wanted to make sure that his, his journey ended at the shores of heaven. And so he pressed on in that direction, in Christ Jesus, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And Paul understood that this journey would require out of him temperance or self-control and and discipline. For example, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, speaking of his walk and his journey in Christ, says this, beginning in the 24th verse, Don't you know that those who run, run in a race, and only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. He goes on to say, verse 26, Therefore I run in such a way, as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul understood well the importance of making sure that he was progressing in the right direction, that he was progressing toward God, toward heaven, and not going down that broad path. That broad way that leads to destruction. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the avenue. He is the way that we must follow by faith. In John 1, verse 17, we are told that grace and truth came by through Jesus Christ. Or over in the 14th chapter, verse 6, when, he, when Jesus said himself, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but 
by me. Jesus is the way. If we want to progress toward a home in heaven, we must do so through Jesus Christ. At a time when many chose to turn elsewhere, we learn about the Apostle Peter, who confesses in John chapter 6, verse 68, that there was no other reliable option that he had because Jesus alone had the words of eternal life. If we want to know the words of eternal life, then we must turn to Jesus. We must turn to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And only through him can we make progress toward God. In Hebrews chapter 10, this new and living way that is made available to us through Jesus Christ is a way of faith, but also it is a way of cleansing and steadfastness, and it is a way of, of loving service. Reading there in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, and there no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but rather a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. So yes, everyone is on this journey, and it is a journey to eternity, but not all, all roads do not lead to heaven. And so we had to make sure that we're progressing toward heaven, toward God, that we're on the right path, the right road in Jesus Christ. Now that will mean that there will be difficulties. Difficulties, hardship, tough choices are unavoidable in this journey in Christ. Because this new life in Jesus Christ does not mean an escape from all temptation. It does not mean it is, it is an escape from all hardships and all problems, all tough choices. The principal goal of spirituality in Christ is not the avoidance of difficulty, but rather it is a seeking of God in spite of those challenges. In Hebrews chapter 5, we are told that Jesus learned obedience, and he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Likewise, we too must learn obedience. And one way that we learn obedience is through our suffering, through the difficulty, through the hardship, through the test of faith that we must face. In Acts chapter 14, at the end of Paul's first missionary journey, we learn that he was going back, retracing his steps. And along the way, he was exhorting and encouraging Christians to remain faithful to God and to do so even in the midst of tribulations. 
In verse 21, it says, After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We can't always see what heights of joy or the depths of sorrow which we may experience tomorrow. But one thing is sure, and that is hardships are inevitable. It is part of life. It is part of the journey to eternity. And so we're reminded, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that no temptation occurs to us that's not common to man. Temptation is a common thing. For all men, and even for all Christians. But also over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, where Paul, in his admonishment to the young evangelist, reminds him that those who desire to live godly will be persecuted. Hardship is inevitable. You know, we, cannot, we cannot avoid difficulties. Hebrews 9, verse 27 tells us, it is appointed for all men to die. Death is part of this journey. It is for these reasons that we need that much more endurance to continue to make this journey, and particularly to make that journey to heaven. God does comfort us, and he promised to comfort us in our times of hardship, times of struggle, times of sorrow. But more than comfort, what we all need in this journey is endurance. The endurance to stand. The endurance to be able to withstand whatever befalls us. And so spiritual courage is essential. It is greatly needed when we are caught in the middle of some particular kind of hardship. Where our faith is being tested. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10 again. As you read here, uh, the spirit guiding the writer to encourage the saints of that day about the things they had endured and the things that they will endure. In verse 32 of the 10th chapter, it says, Remember the former days. The former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Spiritual courage is essential. It is vital in our journey, in our walk, in our life, Toward heaven, to eternity. Difficulties come in all sizes. It comes in all different kinds of colors and situations and circumstances. And usually after a while, they begin to be, feel somewhat overwhelming. The temptation is to give up. The temptation is to, to quit, to, to throw in the towel because we get tired of life's burdens. We get tired of the bombardment of evil and sin in our lives. But we must remember 
that our spiritual journey to eternity in heaven, our spiritual journey in Christ from here to eternity is not an easy one. Jesus never said it would be. And at times it may feel quite long to us. It is for that reason we need to keep on walking that narrow path toward heaven no matter what. And that's for, it is for that reason we need that much more endurance or forbearance, per, perseverance, so that like Paul, we can say, I've kept the faith, you know, I have finished the race. Take, for example, as we bring this lesson to, to a conclusion, the prayer that Jesus offered for the apostles there before the crucifixion in the upper room. Go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. In John 17, Jesus has gathered the apostles together in the upper room to observe the Passover, which was part of the Old Testament law, before his death. And it is on that same you know, occasion that he instituted his own supper, his own memorial of his own death. But it is in the 17th chapter that we have a prayer recorded to us that he offered on behalf, particularly for his disciples, for his apostles. And what I want you to notice is the fact that when he prayed this prayer for them, he did not pray for an escape route from hardship. He did not pray for an escape route from persecution. But rather, what he prayed for, he prayed that they may be able to resist the evil one. Look down in the prayer in verse 14 and 15. We'll start in verse 13. Now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, so they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. In the world, there will be hardship. In the world, there will be difficulty. In the world, there will be pain and sorrow and all manner of storms that test our faith. And so we need endurance. We need forbearance. We need perseverance to keep the faith, to continue progressing toward God. Jesus had actually warned them earlier on in that evening. If you glance back to the 15th chapter and you look at verse 20, he had warned them that because the world persecuted Jesus, that the world would persecute them. And he, sent him, and he sent them out in the world anyway. Going back to chapter 17, as he continued his prayer, and he said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We need endurance. We need endurance to make sure that we can handle the difficulties that come our way and assure ourselves that we're making progress toward God. Our prayers, likewise, for ourselves and for others, needs to be for strength and wisdom to resist, for strength and wisdom to endure, to overcome, and to make the journey that is before us. From here to eternity, what will be your choices? Are you making the journey to eternity to heaven, or are you making it to hell? You're on that journey whether you want to be or not. And difficulties are unavoidable. But it's up to you to decide how effective that journey is. Whether or not that journey is going to be one that's toward God in heaven. 
Jesus Christ. The Son of God is the only way. He's the only way to our Father. He's the only way to heaven because salvation is through him. But you must believe in him and you must humbly obey him. My prayer for you is that you will devote this day to giving God glory to his name.